This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Graham Williams and Christina Stoyanova. We have an awesome show for you today. We uh, will be talking about uh, the Samsung Galaxy Fold phone. What happened to it? It was supposed to be released uh, shortly, but not anymore. I guess a few broke along the way. We'll be giving you the lowdown on that. And we'll also be talking about uh, the new Apple MasterCard that is coming to the United States and whether that will come to Canada anytime soon. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, let's talk about some of the app news, guys. Uh, this was kind of interesting. Uh, Bumble has uh, used artificial intelligence to detect whether there's uh, lewd images uh, in, in chats. So I didn't know that you could actually put images in chat in Bumble because I don't use it. Uh, but now, I know you use it, Christina. I have tried it, yes. Okay, well, now you're protected. If anyone tries to send you a... Uh, An unwanted nude image is how they were referring to this. Yes. Now they will automatically uh, blur it for you. I love the fact that it was someone's job along the way to write an artificial intelligence algorithm to look for naughty bits. <laughs> Somebody had to do that. That's a, you, must, you, you must feel pretty good about this, Christina. Um, yeah, you know what? I think uh, if you're going to be trying to woo someone in an already unfavorable environment, like online, you probably don't want to do so by sending them nude pictures. No? Maybe just stay away from that. I've always found it kind of interesting. Like the most compelling thing about me here is my genitalia. Here's a picture. <laughs> yeah, what, what woman ever thought, hey, wow, that's great. Well, and so here's the thing. I think there's a difference, right? There is the difference between the solicited and unsolicited picture. If someone solicits a picture uh, and you are feeling consenting, then by all means, go ahead and send said picture. Uh, if you have decided in the middle of conversation, perhaps you're talking about where to go for dinner or who you think is going to win the Stanley Cup, and you're like, in this moment, I'm going to interject in this conversation a picture of my naughty bits. Well, thank God Bumble uh, has got you covered on that. Let's move on to Facebook. There's a few Facebook things going on here. Facebook uh, announced this week that uh, they've set aside $3 billion ahead of a, a record FTC fine over privacy violations. Yeah, we call that pocket change to Facebook. They make $15 billion a quarter. Uh, and considering that this was a violation of our privacy that may have led to the theft of a number of uh, elections around the world, three $3 billion... I sincerely hope they are drastically underestimating this. The funny thing, though, is they put this money aside. So they feel like they're going to be charged between 3 and $5 billion. And investors made their stock go up. Really? Yeah. Excellent. What, 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 oh, I'm just, I'm so frustrated with this whole organization right now. Well, uh, even Mark Zuckerberg has come out and said that uh, they should have increased regulation for social media entities such uh, as his and uh, that they should model a lot of the regulations on uh, the European privacy, privacy regulations out there. I love this because this is Facebook essentially saying, you know what, we know that you can't trust us. Um, we're basically like children in the sandbox and we're going to pee in the sandbox if you don't tell us not to. So please start telling us not to. I'm not really sure what we need to do to get people at Facebook to grow a goddamn conscience. But oh, come on, guys. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh easy there, Graham. Uh, so on Facebook news as well, uh, they're cracking down on personality quizzes. Did you hear this? I, I don't even know what to say. Well, sort of. 
they're concerned that a lot of these personality uh, quizzes are uh, taking too much uh, personal uh, information and uh, are uh, trying to, again, crack down on them to make sure that they're not taking as much data. I feel like there's actually a, a, a user regulation piece that could come with this, which is look in a mirror, and if you decide that you really need to know what flavor of ice cream you are, or which Game of Thrones character you are, you need help. Just stop already. I'm the dragon. <laughs> or one of the dragons. Well, it's an interesting topic because I think a lot of people don't really think through what, what they're doing online and what information they're giving away. Just having a little fun. Um, and they're giving away all this information to these companies that are not using it in a positive way. And then they, at the end of it, say, well, how did this happen? Why didn't anyone protect me from this? Well, to a certain extent, weren't you responsible to protect yourself? You, you fed literally all of your personal information, your hopes, your dreams, what you wanted to be as a child. You fed this into the machine, and then you're surprised that the machine turned on you? This is how we get Skynet people. Come on. Well, uh, if you remember the Cambridge Analytica scandal, that's how they basically got all this information uh, through a Facebook app called This Is Your Digital Life. It offered a personality quiz and uh, essentially got all sorts of data on the people and uh, their friends, their location and things they liked uh, on Facebook as well. So disappointing. It is a little disappointing. Uh, moving on, uh, we're talking about uh, app news here on the app show. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Netflix is testing a random episode feature for TV shows. Yeah. So I've actually used this. Yeah? Yeah. So uh, Love, Death, and Robots is this really phenomenal, super fun series that people on, on, my, Netflix, on my Facebook feed, huh, of all things, have been going on about. And so I started watching. But as I was having conversations with people, you know, they were like, well, in the third episode, I'm like, that's not the third episode that I saw. And it became very apparent to all of us that we were getting episodes in random order. So this is an anthology show. None of the episodes really lead into the others. They have some common themes, yeah. love, death, and robots being all of them, uh, but they, they're all very different stories that it doesn't really impact you in how the story is told. So very, very cool way of looking at this. Um, you know, if you take, for example, another show like Russian Doll, that wouldn't work, right? There, this is a show that has to be told in chronological order. Oh my God, that show would be a disaster if you took it apart that way. <laughs> Russian Doll? Russian yeah. Doll, yeah. I haven't even, I, I, I watched like 10 minutes of the first episode and I'm just like, what the, Did you what ever is see, going on? It is fantastic. It's weird. It's Did you ever fantastic. see Groundhog Day? Yeah. And so this is like Groundhog Day for the 21st century. I, 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 I thoroughly, I mean, you obviously loved it, Chris. I did. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Very, very good show, but it, it happens in chronological order. Interesting thing. Did you ever see the movie Memento? Yes. So Memento is kind of interesting because, again, it's told in a nonlinear fashion. Things happen out of order. But there was a special feature on the DVD where you could actually watch the events of the movie in chronological order. That would have been weird. It spoils the whole thing. But if yeah. you've seen the movie once before, it's really interesting to actually see the story told in a chronological fashion. And then when you go back again and watch it in that nonlinear fashion, I think you get a bit more out of it. Really, really cool way to look at it. Well, uh, an app that a lot of people use around the world uh, for getting accommodation, and I've used it many times, Airbnb. Uh, they're talking about creating their own TV shows to convince people to travel more. I think this is great. Why? Uh, you know, I, I really love some of the things. So I've actually got the Airbnb app, and I've actually spent time on the Apple TV just flipping through places around Oh, oh around my God, I have too. Yeah. Right? The, uh, the Airbnb app for Apple TV is amazing. You just get to see all these crazy, awesome 
different kind of homes from around the world. Yeah. And, and kind so, of inspiring. Yeah. So, I mean, I actually stayed in a place in Austin. I think it was called The Borough. And it's like, it's a compound. There's a big house and they turned the garage into a guest suite. And there's an adult-sized jungle gym. It's got like a fireman pole and a climbing net. And no. Whatnot. Yeah. Really? And so, so I- So you, you got this place yeah, on I, Airbnb. I found this on the app and I was going down there for a wedding. And I'm like, I'm totally staying there. The hosts were amazing because they stay in the main house. And it was just a super fun place to stay. And so since then, I've been spending time going through and just kicking around the world, figuring out where am I going to go next? And so having a little bit of context behind this and a little bit more detail of here are the cool places. And then while you're there, here's, here's some cool stuff that you could do. I'm stoked for this. I think it's awesome. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I used Airbnb. Uh, we we're on a trip, uh, my wife and I over in Europe. I've learned a lot about uh, European homes and really? that they're weird. <laughs> they're just weird. A lot of them don't have kitchens. Yeah. Or they've got like maybe a microwave and like a hot plate. It's almost like a dorm room. Uh, I've learned that a lot of these older places, the bathrooms, there's like signs in the bathroom saying you can't put toilet paper into the toilet. That's concerning. It's gross. It's gross. But I asked Christina you, about this. I asked Christina about this. You guys have clearly not traveled very much because this is a very common thread in older European homes and all over like Southeast Asia, you can't put toilet paper down the toilet. They're just not set up for that. The hell? Well, they, <laughs> it's uh, in the name though. But like it's it toilet should, paper. It should say in the Airbnb listing. I, no, seriously, you can't put toilet paper down the toilet for us more sensitive Western types. Well, you know, that said, I actually went to an Airbnb uh, in Germany and they had a bidet. And so when I came home, I got a bidet because I thought that was really cool. It's neat. Yeah, I was in Germany. There weren't any German homes with bidets that I went to. <laughs> I couldn't flush toilet paper down the toilet. Yeah, fair. Yeah. 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 And can you imagine, you know, Alana, my wife. Yes. Oh, my God. She's just horrified. She yeah. just thought this was a joke. I can actually see the look on her face. Oh, my yeah. Because, yeah. Anyway. Uh, but Airbnb, yeah, they're making, uh, they're going to create their own TV shows and videos. They're setting up their own uh, studio to do this, which I thought was uh, interesting. But they've been doing a lot of unique things. The, uh, the experiences are really interesting. In Paris, uh, we actually tried some of them. Uh, one of them was uh, uh, like a, a photo tour of all the cool neighborhoods. Neat. Yeah, to get the best Instagram type photos. I wonder if they'll add an experience for uh, toilets around the world. God, God, I hope so. I, re I really do. Anyway, that's my tip to you out there, listeners. Uh, really check that Airbnb listing when you're oh, exploring your... Oh, just suck it up. It's part of the experience of Where traveling. Where do you put the toilet paper? In the trash can that is beside gross. the toilet. That is Get gross. over it. That is really gross. Happy flushing, friends. <laughs> On that note, uh, we're going to have to take a break here on the App Show, and uh, we will come back with uh, cleaner material. Uh, we'll be talking about the Apple MasterCard and uh, the Samsung Galaxy Fold. What happened? If you're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Uh, back a few weeks ago, uh, Apple had some big announcements about new services uh, that they were rolling out, uh, their new uh, TV streaming service, their news uh, stand, uh, and also, funny enough, a credit card. Uh, on the line, we've uh, got our tech expert, uh, Max Greenwood. He's with techvibes.com to tell us all about it. Uh, Max, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Was this an unusual announcement, uh, Apple coming out with their own credit card? I think it. I think it was. It was unusual, and it was sort of, like, exciting. Like you kind of mentioned, it was sort of, 
like sandwiched in between a few bigger announcements like Apple News and their own streaming platform and even like their own sort of little gaming platform. It sort of fell to the wayside a bit, but I mean, it has like a really big impact on what the payment, specifically the digital payments world will kind of look like over the next, you know, three to five years. And, and I think it's something that's, you know, really interesting to look at from that perspective. So what are the details? We know for sure that this is just available in the U.S. to start. Uh, we'll talk about the Canada perspective after, but what are the details down in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. So essentially, uh, it's kind of like a, a card that will live within Apple Pay, which is, you know, Apple's sort of owned digital wallet. Uh, as far as like the specifics go, it's a no fees card. Uh, the only fees that are attached to it are sort of those like traditional transactional fees if you miss a payment or something. But uh, there's no annual fees. There's no fees on cash advances or over limit uh, charges or anything like that. And on top of that, what their selling point is, is that uh, you get 1% cash back on any purchase. 2% cash back on purchases made with the card uh, through Apple Pay, and then 3% on Apple purchases. And I think in you know, true Apple fashion, they also send you something that's pretty darn sleek. It's a titanium engraved card that doesn't even have a credit card number on it. It just has the chip because the credit card number only lives within the Apple app itself. And that's sort of like the selling point that you have this sleek titanium card, you know, to battle the uh, the typical Amex black cards or these cards that sort of have like a certain ubiquity to them now, I guess. So will people, if they, if they want to use the physical card, will they have to have their phone on them or can that just work by itself? So it will be able just to work by itself. But I think the big like Apple is really trying with this card uh, to really get people to buy into Apple Pay as much as they can. I think they want, you know, as many people as they can to adopt Apple Pay right now. Uh, I think, uh, if I have it correct, there's uh, one third of folks in the U.S. are Apple device owners, and around one third of those people uh, have tried Apple Pay. So there's still a massive market for Apple to access people who haven't used their you know, digital wallet yet and to load it up with this kind of Apple branded credit card. And from there, you know, Apple has uh, the ability to sort of like uh, look into what people are using that uh, digital payment method for and really understand what the digital payments market can become and start to tap into that. Do you think they'll be successful with it? Uh, I, I think so. Um, there's a few sort of interesting ways to look at it. Like uh, when they launched it, they've uh, brought on MasterCard and Goldman Sachs as partners because, uh, one, you need an issuing bank to, to make this kind of thing happen, and you also need a network, which is what MasterCard is providing. Um, there's a few things that are really interesting about it. To me, one of the, the, the cool things or, or one of the things that Apple will immediately see an uptick on is that Essentially, you get 3% back or sorry, 3% cash back with any purchase of an Apple uh, device or Apple anything when you use this card. So it's very easy to sign up for. One of the things that uh, they sort of sell is that you can sign up for it and have the card in your digital wallet within two minutes. So imagine, you know, me not having an Apple card. I walk into the Apple store and I want to buy a new MacBook. I'm about to drop $2,500 on a, uh, you know, a new device and I can instantly sign up for an Apple card. I can get 3% off of my purchase and then bam, you know, I can save however much money that is. And Apple has a new customer plus a new device that they just sold. It's a win-win for them. And I saved, you know, 25 bucks or actually 75 bucks. I think if the math is correct there. And, uh, it, it's this interesting idea that they can kind of like, 
gain a customer and also sell a device while also making it seem like a win for the customer by just signing up for this kind of thing. And and that, you know, reverberated around tens of millions of users, all these devices throughout the U.S. alone seems like, you know, this massive kind of rollout for Apple who have never done this kind of thing. So Canada, uh, I know when Apple Pay first rolled out, uh, it took a while for Apple Pay to get to Canada. Do you think we're going to see this Apple Card uh, in our country? I think we're going to, but you're right. Like the the sort of, and it's funny actually, North America has been much slower with uh, digital wallet adoptions than the rest of the world actually. And I don't know about you, but I actually, it's funny as a tech writer, I don't use a digital wallet at all. I don't use, you know, MasterPass or uh, Google Wallet or any of these kinds of things. Uh, I don't have a good reason why, but I think eventually like it will have to catch on. Uh, Apple will have to find an issuing bank here. Um, I think I would like to think that all five of the banks will be lining up, uh, wanting to partner with Apple on this kind of thing, because, you know, it's possible that they could go from, um, you know, zero issued credit cards uh, up to like, you know, a few million overnight, possibly. So I, I think it's definitely going to roll out here. Uh, MasterCard will be able to enable it, but uh, they'll need to find their own Goldman Sachs within Canada. We're talking with Max Greenwood from techvibes.com, all about the new Apple MasterCard that's launching uh, down in the U.S. Will we see it in Canada? Who knows? Might be uh, a few years from now. Max, I want to thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me again, Mike. When we come back from the break, we still have a lot more to talk about, uh, including the Samsung Galaxy Fold. It's uh, basically been delayed as far as the uh, release because uh, a few of them have broken. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with The App Show. Mike Graham and Christina here. Still lots to talk about uh, in a little bit here. We'll be uh, exploring what happened with the Samsung Galaxy Folds. They've uh, delayed the release date. We've got the goods on that. Uh, Before we get to our Hot 5 app countdown, which is uh, Hot 5 music-making apps this week, we have our iOS or iPhone tip of the week. Graham, what do we got? So our iPhone tip of the week, you know that I love my Memojis and my Animoji. Yes. Right? So these are, uh, you know, things that you can use with the new iPhone X. Uh, it uses the facial recognition to basically give you a cartoon face. Could be your own face. Could be, you know, the dragon or the koala or what. Or the monkey. Or the monkey. Yeah. Um, and so as you're moving your face, the little monkey or whatever character is kind of mimicking exactly what you're doing. Yes. yes. Now, you also know about Tapback. Uh, which is basically where you can reply to somebody by double tapping their message or tapping and holding their message, and you can give them either a heart, a thumbs up, a thumbs down, a ha-ha, yeah. right? So this is a reaction. You can actually have a, an animoji or a emoji as a tap-back reply. Okay. So what you do is you go through to your uh, animoji or emoji recording. You record the, uh, the animoji or emoji that you want to. So your little message or your smiley face, whatever you do. And when it's ready, you actually press and hold on it and drag it up and you can drop it down on someone's message so you can reply to them like a tap back with an animoji or memoji and it'll stick right to the message. It's like a sticker right on the message. Love it. Well, now it's that time. The Weekly App Hot 5. This week, the Hot 5 is uh, from Pitchfork.com and it's the top uh, five music-making apps. Uh, Number five, Graham, we have Beatmaker 3. This is for the iPad. So this is actually a really cool app. I bought this not too long ago. It's 25 bucks. And so I was looking at some drum machines online. And so this is just like a regular MIDI drum machine. 
So this, uh, you can sequence MIDI notes, you can manipulate samples. Um, if you've ever heard of an MPC style workflow, so basically this is working with a four x four drum pad. If you wanna make cool beats, you can do that with this. So this will let you use the touch controls to play samples at different speeds. Um, and so the, the harder and the faster you hit, it's gonna actually change the sound. This also has full integration with Dropbox, so you can basically import your sounds from Dropbox, and then you can send those files out that way and share them through Dropbox links. So if you've never made beats before and you're looking at the $129 to like literally thousands of dollars for drum machines, the 25 bucks for this app is actually, it's really money well spent. That's good value. Yeah, I like it. Sounds like a lot for an app, but. Yeah. But not bad. $25, good value. Number four on our Hot 5 app countdown this week here on the App Show, and this is from Pitchfork.com, uh, Audiobus 3. Audiobus 3 is available on the iPhone and iPad, and it will cost you $9.99. It's not very sexy, but it's great for on-the-fly iOS music making. You can't actually use it to record or make beats, but you can it can act as a host for a slew of other music apps, letting you use those other apps in conjunction with one another. It has a clean interface, intuitive signal routing, and compatibility with hundreds of other app store offerings. It lets you redirect the audio from any of your devices, synths and drums and machines to uh, an app like Beatmaker, which Graham just talked about without having to dump that audio to a computer first. Thank you. Uh, number three on our Hot 5 app countdown this week, MV08. Uh, MV08 is a minimalist uh, drum machine that comes with over 200 samples, a classic uh, XOX style sequencer, uh, which is like a modern take on the Roland's iconic TR808 and 909 units, and essential effects, EQ, distortion, reverb, and delay. The iPad edition uses it uses the extra screen real estate to display a grid-based visualizer, which makes it even easier to make a longer beat. However, the iPhone version is just as versatile. Both versions let users program in odd time signatures, assign effects to trigger on specific drum hits in the sequence, and much, much more. And the loops can be easily exported as a wave or M4A file. Number two on the uh, Hot 5 countdown this week, uh, Graham, we've got Chord Polypad. Chord Polypad. So this is $12.99. And again, when we start talking about price points on these things, they seem expensive for apps. But the things that they replace when you're looking at hardware, they tend to be in the hundreds of dollars. So um, this is available for iPhone and iPad. And Chord Polypad lets you map out chords to a 16-button layout, so then you can play them. So this is a very, very handy thing for doing for creating uh, music from chords on the fly. Uh, so you can write your own voicings on a musical keyboard by plugging that in. You can save some pad presets. And you can also have a function that offers up random chords if you're looking for some inspiration. So it doesn't export audio, but we were talking about AudioBus 3 earlier. It actually connects with that uh, directly. And you can uh, connect to a bunch of other synthesizers, both physical and digital, so that Chord Polypad will work with them. So it's a great solution for songwriters that are looking to quickly pair a melody in their head with a basic chord structure, and it's great if you're on the fly and you don't have a keyboard handy. Very cool, and uh, number one music-making uh, app this week is Songspace. Songspace is available on iOS, Android, and it has a web app all for $8 a month. Uh, this one is a great way to catalog mix revisions, drafts of lyrics, songwriting credits, and other aspects of music making. The web platform allows artists to consolidate all the digital materials they might need for a song in one place, whether it's audio, photographs, or text. There's a tagging system that lets you sort your work by moods and themes and a simple 
songwriting tab that makes it particularly useful for bands who want to keep track of multiple songwriters or producers who work with a bevy of artists. That was the top uh, hot five apps for music making. Uh, we'd be remiss in not uh, mentioning GarageBand, uh, which I know lots of people use, uh, but we wanted to kind of talk about some of the alternative ones yeah. this week. Yeah. But I, GarageBand is amazing. I love GarageBand, and it's actually, it's a really fun app, both on the computer, um, where you can take music lessons as well as creating uh, new music, and on the iPad, which is, I mean, it's so, so powerful in that space because of those touch controls. Uh, the the beat sequencer on that, so it's a ton of fun to play with. If you've never made beats before, um, or even if you just had the inkling to try, uh, it's, it's a great way to, to go about doing that. And it is free if you have an Apple device like an iPad or an iPhone. So a very cool piece of software. I did recently upgrade to Logic, um, which is usually $299, but because I teach at uh, UBC and, and uh, Capilano U, I got the educational discount. And all of their apps came for two ninety nine, and honestly, I think it's worth three hundred bucks. Really? Yeah, very powerful piece of software. Wow. Yeah, very cool. When we come back from the break, we've got more apps to talk about, including our travel and game app of the week. Listening to the app show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We will be back right after this. You are back with the app show. Mike Egerbo here in studio. I want to talk about uh, the Samsung Galaxy Fold phone? Uh, we had a chance to get our hands on it uh, last week. Amazing technology. I was pretty impressed uh, with the uh, the foldable screen. Basically, a, a, a smartphone that uh, would actually fold open into a, a seven inch tablet. Well, uh, just uh, this past week, uh, Samsung has basically uh, delayed the release date for the phone, citing uh, some issues that journalists had with the phones uh, breaking. On the line, uh, we've got our mobile expert. His name's Patrick O'Rourke from MobileSyrup.com. Great website if you uh, want to get caught up on all the latest in uh, mobile news uh, and trends. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we talk about uh, the uh, the delay of the uh, the actual uh, phone uh, release now, uh, what did you think of it? I mean, I I really liked it. I, I didn't experience the issues that other members of the media and, and YouTubers had with it. I think it's a really cool concept. I mean, as someone who reviews phones all the time and writes about them all day it was like fundamentally truly exciting to finally have a device that felt different um and i I mean i did have a few issues with it i I felt that the display felt a little bit cheap um the hinge got a little loose after a couple days of use but generally i i thought it was really cool and i i really liked the concept of kind of having um, this phone in your pocket that could turn into a much more expansive tablet. Well, this uh, past week saw a, a number of journalists uh, basically uh, write about uh, their uh, use of the phone, uh, some uh, peeling off a protective uh, uh, plastic layer on the screen, uh, breaking the phone, uh, others having some uh, hinge problems, some, I guess, debris getting caught in there. Was this a surprise to you, Patrick? Um, I, so the dis- the display, um, sort of the protective layer peeling was a bit of a surprise to me. I honestly didn't even notice it on the screen at all when I first got the phone. A few other members of the mobile serve team did, um, but I certainly didn't. I mean, it's, it's not surprising to me that uh, reviewers and, and YouTubers would be attempting to pull that off because it, it does look basically just like a regular screen protector that you would see on any phone that you, you, you would buy. Um, I'd argue that it's probably a little bit more difficult to peel off, 
Um, so I, I don't think that it's really on the fault of the people reviewing the devices that the thing, that the thing was peeled off. Uh, reportedly, some had a notification on the packaging saying like, hey, don't peel this off. It's a protective layer that needs to be on the phone while others didn't. Um, either way, Samsung didn't make it clear, and that's something that they definitely needed to do. Um, so that I was a little shocked about. The other instances of the phone breaking were kind of debris getting stuck under the screen. That was much more surprising to me. I figured that Samsung would have done testing to ensure that something like that just straight up wouldn't happen. Um, but that doesn't seem to uh, have been the case, unfortunately, for the company. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, with such a new technology like this, like how many different ways can you test it? And obviously, they're in a rush to get it out uh, as well because of the competition out there. Uh, we know, you know, Huawei was, uh, you know, hot on uh, releasing their folding uh, phone uh, as well. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, the protective screen thing, um, I, I didn't even really notice that. So it was kind of a surprise to me when other people were finding ways to, to peel that uh, off. Uh, yeah, the hinge, I always thought, you know, uh, that's a, a difficult thing. You know, obviously some amazing engineering went into that. And, you know, from what they told us, there were over 200 different prototypes uh, leading up to that particular final uh, design. Uh, I, I wonder if they'll uh, go back to the drawing board and and, uh, and and redo that. I think some of it just comes down to real world, real world use, right? Like, I, I don't know how much Samsung tested this thing outside of labs, right? Um, I think when you're using a phone out in the wild, the experience is a little bit different. Like, dust's going to get on the screen, um, sand's going to get on the screen, other types of debris are going to get on the screen. Um, and, and that might have been something that they didn't predict. And and people are going to do dumb things with it uh, as well, and maybe not be as gentle Definitely. as uh, they would be uh, uh, otherwise. Uh, you know, what does your gut tell you? Do you think we'll see uh, a Samsung Galaxy Fold uh, release this year? I mean, uh, Samsung Canada told me that the phone is still slated for a summer 2019 release. Um, so I I think that it's still coming. I don't think that it's totally done. Um, I think Samsung's definitely on to something. Uh, the phone's crazy expensive, so to be clear, like it's not for the average smartphone user. This is definitely like an enthusiast experimental device um, for people like us. But I, I do think that they'll figure it out. Um, they may put together some sort of, um, I don't know, secure layer that kind of seals that protective uh, screen cover to the display um, and, and makes it more airtight, something like that. I think there's some solution out there that they'll, they'll come up with that's definitely isn't the last that we've seen of the, the Galaxy Fold. Do you think this is going to make consumers uh, a little more wary of uh, folding phones? Uh, definitely, yeah. This is bad press for Samsung. Um, the company has issues, obviously, with the, the Note 7, as everybody knows. There's issues with um, the, Note, the Note 5 as well, with the uh, stylus being inserted um, uh, the wrong way into the, the rear of the, uh, the phone. So like, this isn't the first time Samsung's had to weather a storm like this. Um, but it, it was definitely, it got a ton of mainstream news coverage, right? Which, which isn't good for, uh, Samsung or even foldable phones in general, right? Um, so whenever I've talked about the Galaxy Fold, one of the things that I always mention is just like, I, I think despite these issues, we should also, um, kind of herald and appreciate a company finally doing something different, new, and exciting in the smartphone space because we, we really haven't seen that for the last uh, couple of years in a significant way like this. Do you think Huawei, uh, one of the other main uh, competitors out there who, uh, you know, has announced their own folding phone, do you think they're going to perhaps take some time now and delay their release, or do you think they're going to barrel ahead? 
I, I think it'll probably still go to schedule, but I imagine some executives at Huawei looking at how it's played out for Samsung um, and probably taking a clo- uh, hard look at the, the Mate X and making sure that it's not going to suffer from the same issues. Um, I mean, that's also one of the things like Samsung could have rushed this out a little bit because they wanted to be the first. Uh, they wanted to beat Huawei to the punch. Um, so maybe this is something that could have been prevented with further real-world testing that they just didn't have time to make happen because of the, the, the phone uh, timeline for release. We've been talking with Patrick O'Rourke from MobileSyrup.com. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. No problem. Thanks for having me. When we come back from the break, we still have a lot more to talk about. We've uh, got our travel and game apps of the week. Stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. Mike Graham and Christina here. A few more apps to talk about before we get to our travel app of the week. Graham, you've got a game app. I do. And this game app is called Thumper. Thumper. Yes, this is an app that is available on PlayStation 4. Uh, I believe it's available on Xbox One. It's on PC. I think it might be on Switch as well. But uh, you can get it for Android and for iOS. And this is a rhythm violence game. Rhythm violence. (laughs) It's a funny way of saying that this is a game where you play a space beetle, you're a little silver thing on screen, and you're traveling down a track towards, and I quote, a maniacal giant head. There's, don't look for meaning in this, there really is none. But what it is, is this cool game where you travel back and forth down this track, moving from side to side trying to avoid obstacles, to the tune of some really amazing music. And so this thing, like, the faster you get going, the cooler the music is, the higher the energy is. It's a really neat reactive game. And they call it rhythm violence because you really are trying to find that rhythm and get into the groove. But the character, this little space beetle, is rocking back and forth with some, it it feels like real weight. And so I I can't stress this enough. It's a really, really fun game. Uh, I think you'll pay upwards of $20 for it on other platforms, on iOS and on mobile, $6.99 when it's not on sale. I like it. And again, the name? Thumper. Thumper. Uh, And finally, we have our travel app of the week, Christina. This week's travel app is called Free Wi-Fi Finder. And this one's really simple. It really just helps you find the free Wi-Fi hotspots in over 50 countries around the world. The most exciting thing about it is that you don't need to be connected to um to a network or a Wi-Fi hotspot when you're using it. And you can actually use this to browse this in places that you're going to travel to as well. That's great, because uh, in a lot of cases, uh, you probably don't want to be roaming on your uh, your SIM card. Uh, maybe you haven't uh, picked up a local SIM card for your phone. Uh, Wi-Fi is the obviously best way to keep uh, connected uh, with friends and family. So this is a, a great way to uh, keep connected with your device, whether that's a laptop uh, or a mobile uh, phone or tablet. That's all the time we have left. Don't forget to check out our podcasts uh, available on your favorite podcast place, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, for the app show and also our sister show, Get Connected. This is Mike Graham and Christina signing off. We will see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.